أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد Alhamdulillah, by Allah's father, we've reached this Mubarak 25th night of Ramadan. It is nothing except for the grace of God that gives us days and nights like this, that gives us months like this. If it's Laylatul Qadr, then uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us. And if it's not, may Allah ta'ala still accept it from us, mashallah. Uh, this is, these are nights, inshallah, if you have a chance. Uh, make dua, Allahumma inna ka'afu and tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anni. Make salat and salam on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And make dua for the betterment of the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in this world and the hereafter. And one of the things is like, you know, hopefully this is not like story time with Uncle Hamza. That, uh, you know, okay, mashallah, look, you know, I know who Ghazali is and so I'll sound cool with like all my, uh, you know, intellectual friends that burn expensive oud or whatever. Um, this is not story time for the sake of entertainment. Uh, this is the uh, riwaya of the silsila, of the chain uh, uh, that binds us to Allah through His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, through which we receive fuyud, through which we receive the divine effluence, uh, the divine outpouring of grace. And uh, part of that outpouring of grace is definitely something in the unseen world, which moves the heart. Uh, and enlightens the heart and purifies it and, and, and strikes away from it um, its spiritual rust, which is a very, uh, very unseen and a very, uh, e- you know, maybe ethereal type process. But some of it is something very uh, uh, intellectual and something very practical for uh, the listener, which is what? Look at how Ghazali turned his uh, back on the world in order to seek a higher objective and to serve the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ through it and uh, to come back uh, instead of fleeing from the battlefield into the luxury of the, the, the material world and into prestige and position, he uh, fled from the world and went back into the battlefield after having strengthened himself and trained for 10 years. And uh, he, he, he went back into that midan, into that uh, 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 you know place of combat. He jumped back into the octagon. Uh, even more powerful than before. And uh, he said very boldly uh, through his works, is there anybody who will challenge me? And he beat them down. Every one of them tapped out. And he's not the only one in the, uh, in the history of the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ. So my hope is that those who listen to this, those few people who listen to this, uh, uh, these recordings and these majalis, even if they're only doing so because they're bored and they have to have something to listen to while doing the dishes or while uh, you know driving to work or whatever, um, that inshallah, that something moves inside the heart uh, that makes it appealing and beautiful uh, to the heart that, Ya Allah, would that I also were able to strengthen myself, would that I also was able to, to train and with that, I was also able to get back into that uh, field of battle, back into that octagon, and also take my share of 
of, of the burden of the defense and the service of the Ummah of the Prophet in whatever capacity in whatever capacity Allah has facilitated for me in whatever way Allah has created me because everybody has a different jibilla everybody's disposition is different uh, the man who's going to you know bench press 500 pounds is not always going to be the guy who uh, is able to plan the finances of a madrasa or uh, you know it's not going to always be able to be the person who gives uh, a good speech and the guy who gives a good speech is not always the one who's able to recite Quran beautifully and uh, etc so you look look into yourself what gifts have, has Allah given you and uh, uh, you know if something in your heart doesn't move from listening to these majalis then perhaps uh, you know uh, they're not as useful as uh, you may or may not think Allah Ta'ala give all of us uh, this, this harakah inside of our heart uh, for the better and toward Him and uh, change in orientation toward His nur and His light towards uh, toward Him uh, Jalla wa'ala that, that, that this feeling is awakened not just when we mention Ghazali but any of these uh, great heroes of, of Islam uh, that uh, we wish to uh, take up the, the path that was chalked out for us by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in order to serve the Ummah and thereby uh, claim a, a, a stake in Allah's love uh, which uh, inshallah will be fulfilled and made perfect and beautiful uh, in the hereafter uh, uh, and in, in this world as well. So Mawlana Ali Miya, Mawlana Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimullah Ta'ala he continues in the end and the epilogue of his chapter on Ghazali he mentions reformers after Ghazali Rahimullah Despite Ghazali's successful encounter with the skepticism of philosophers which had threatened a spiritual chaos in Islam, the moral and spiritual disintegration of the masses by the end of the 5th century after Hijra had become so widespread that it required a popular movement for the regeneration of the simplicity and directness of faith. So we're setting up for uh, something a little bit different. Imam Ghazali Taala was like, very elite intellectual, uh, 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 you know, mashallah, uh, warrior, if you want to use that, if you want to use that, uh, that metaphor. But he said that what the Millah needed was, what the Millah, what the Ummah needed was an illuminated and inspired mentor. Uh, who wielded influence amongst the populace, who could hold them spellbound and fill them with faith and enthusiasm, zeal and self-confidence. Uh, the autocratic governments of the past 400 years had defin definitely a dissolving influence on the spiritual and moral life of the community. And I don't want to get too much into politics over here because, you know, not necessarily because we shouldn't, because politics is part of Dean as well. Uh, but there are some people who use the slogan of po politics as part of Dean in order to turn politics into Dean, and I'm not I'm not down with that. You know, whoever's king or isn't king, or whoever's president or isn't president, whatever party is in power, you know, the the, the fundamentals of the universe don't change, and our travel toward Allah is still the primary uh, the primary goal. Uh, so I, you know, but, but having made that disclaimer, having made that caveat, the gross mismanagement of the of the Darul Islam. Uh, and I'm not just talking about one government. There are different governments. Uh, and in general, the gross mismanagement that they've done of, of, of their governance, uh, and in particular, the overbearing uh, vulm and the overbearing uh, uh, just tyranny, not letting people do those things that they're good at, not letting people succeed in life for fear of it being a threat to somebody's you know, entrenched monopoly that's sponsored by some. 
you know, whatever colonial post colonial goon type uh, uh, outside uh, influence. This is really rotting at, at the Ummah and uh, uh, it's not the first time. And Allah Ta'ala give help to our people. Allah Ta'ala give help to our people. Allah Ta'ala give help to the person who, uh, you know, lets the people breathe and lets them flourish. Uh, and this is not a cry for democracy or theocracy or monarchy or uh, tetrarchy or, uh, you know, whatever. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not for any of you. Tetrarchy is interesting. If you want to read about Roman history, you can read about the tetrarchy. What a weird idea. At any rate, the, the, it's, not, it's not, you know, more general than that. It's just a cry for somebody who can uh, establish some basic safety uh, and security in the Muslim world, and then let people do let people do what they're good at and what they're made to do, instead of stifling them and stuffing them and suffocating them to death, and seeing their success as a threat. Uh, uh, so uh, the autocratic governments of the past 400 years had definitely a dissolving influence on the spiritual and moral life of the community. These had produced a class. Uh, although, uh, which claim, which although complain, claiming to profess Islam had the aggrandizement of self, uh, acquisition of material success and pursuit of wealth, power and honor as its ultimate end. And here honor like prestige, not honor as in like true honor with Allah. Iranian and Hellenistic cultural influences had on one hand made inroads into Muslim society, while on the other hand, paganism uh, of pre-Islamic Jahiliya was again uh, reasserting itself. Uh, the ostentatious, conceited and dissolute manners of the elite grandees and retinues of uh, uh, emperors had become a model for commonality. And God help us, God help us from ever being uh, you know, in love or looking up to uh, such self-dissolved and insolent goons uh, such as uh, these that mashallah are not in short supply nowadays and completely fawned over and drooled over by uh, the, 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 the ignorant masses. Allah Ta'ala protect us from being those masses much as being these people. Unmindful of the humble and poor who led a discontented and frustrated life, those who had the money to squander were busy in their own pursuits of pleasure. The affluent were gradually losing all good qualities like humanity, generosity, and benevolence, while the poorer classes were incurring the loss of qualities like patience and contentment, confidence and self-respect. Uh, does it sound familiar? Torn between a moral crisis on one hand and social injustice on the other, the Muslim society was threatened with disintegration. What this critical situation demanded was an invigorating call inviting people back to the faith, cutting asunder the pulls of worldly temptations and benefits, rekindling the desire for salvation and blessedness, uh, achievement of the true knowledge of Allah, and inculcating an ardent desire to submit oneself to his commands. It was necessary for it that the true meaning of Tawheed, the unity of God Almighty, along with an awareness of the fleeting nature of earthly pleasures and inefficacy of power and riches were driven home to the people. The 5th century after Hijra, on the other hand, also saw a diffusion of arts and sciences in the uh, world of Islam. We find during this time that some of the greatest intellectual leaders brought forth by Islam, people like Abu Ishaq al-Shirazi, uh, who died in 476, uh, Imam Ghazali, who died in 505 in the field of religious sciences, Abu al-Wafa ibn Aqil and Abu al-Qahir uh, al-Jurjani 
in uh, jurisprudence and in uh, literature. Abu Zakaria Tabrizi, uh, uh, who died in 502 after Hijra in grammar and, and lexicography, and Abu Qasim al-Hariri uh, uh, in literature. Each of these was a pioneer. I mean, uh, Hariri is like Badir al-Saman. I mean, he's like literally, he's known as the, 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 the one who inaugurated the age. Um, each one of them was a pioneer in his own field, and every one of them remained unrivaled for centuries to come. During such a period of intellectual awakening, no religious mentor could have hoped to achieve any success uh, unless he himself was well-versed in uh, uh, all the prevalent sciences. Uh, it was essential that the person should be as much acclaimed for his literary distinction and brilliance of mind as for his moral and spiritual excellence. This was indeed necessary if he was not to be brushed aside contemptuously by the learned and elite uh, uh, classes as an illiterate fanatic. Thus, uh, these were the qualities demanded of a man who could fill the hearts of the people with faith and knowledge, cure them of their skepticism, and provide solace to the spiritually distressed, and fire them with a burning desire for moral and spiritual upliftment. And so, uh, say the uh, Ali Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi. He then makes a a sub a subheading: Two Saints of Baghdad. If just hearing the names doesn't fill you uh, 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 with an overwhelming faith of Nur, uh, then maybe inshallah uh, hear uh, about their lives and then come back and listen to this part again. God Almighty brought forth two outstanding personages during this period who devoted their life for the religious and spiritual revivification of the Muslims. These were uh, Abdul Qadir al-Jailani and uh, Abdul Rahman ibn al-Jawzi. The fields of their activities were different, but both of them deeply impressed the, uh, 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 the lives, uh, deeply impressed upon the lives of Muslims in their times. It was also a blessing from Allah that both of them had Baghdad, the metropolis of then the Islamic world, as their center, and were endowed with a long life, so as to accomplish the task uh, to which they had addressed themselves. It is also a matter of pride for the Hanbali school of jurisprudence that both of these luminaries belong to uh, that very school, the school of. Imam Ahl Sunnah uh, Ahmed bin Hanbal Rahimahullah Tabarak wa Ta'ala Chapter 8 Shaykh Shah Abdul Qadir Jailani Rahimahullah Ta'ala Wa Qaddas Allah Sirrahum Abdul Qadir was born in uh, uh, Gilan In 470 after Hijra He was an Arab by descent uh, being the 10th descendant of Sayyidina Al-Hasan bin Ali alayhi salam wa alayhim salam wa radiyallahu ta'ala anhumah but belonged to Iran by the mag migration of his ancestors. He had come to Baghdad in 488 at the age of 18 years. It was perhaps not merely fortuitous that he arrived at, uh, at Baghdad to acquire education almost at the same time when another reputed teacher, Ghazali, was leaving the city in search of the truth. Although inclined to penance and cultivation of religious observances from an early age, he had addressed himself wholeheartedly to acquire education under the most reputed teachers of the time, such as Abu Wafa ibn Aqil, uh, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Baqillani, and uh, Abu Zakaria Tabrizi, rahimahumullah tabarak wa ta'ala. Thereafter, he turned to Tasawwuf and was guided in his tenets by his sheikh, uh, Abu Khair Hamad bin uh, Muslim al-Dabbas, Rahimahullah uh, Ta'ala uh, 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 and uh, Qadi Abu Sa'id al-Makhrami 
and he was allowed by the later to initiate others into uh, 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 into the tariqa of tasawwuf by by his uh, by that mentor and as a mentor popular enthusiasm after completing his education of religious sciences as well as the training in uh, the Sufic disciplines, uh, Abdul Qadir began his career as a teacher in the seminary of uh, his Sheikh Qadi Abu Sa'id al-Makhrami. In his sermons, which were delivered in the premises of the same institution, there was soon such a rush of people that extensions had to be carried out in the building of the uh, institution. It appeared as if the whole Baghdad assembled in his congregations. At the same time, he claimed such an attention uh, and deference from the people attending his lectures that even the kings would have envied it. Sheikh Muwafaq al-Din ibn Qudama, the author of the Mughni, which is a master book of Hanbali fiqh, um, in which uh, uh, the reasoning, the legal reasoning of different uh, rulings was explained, as well as uh, a, a comparison uh, between the Hanbali school and, and that of the other schools. The Mughni is a really amazing book. It's an awesome book. Um, I, I, you know, for the Muftabihi opinion of the school, uh, ask the Mashaykh of the school. But just to just to read the book, just to learn about fiqh in general, much less Hanafi uh, Hanbali fiqh, it's just a really amazing work, a very unique work. Uh, Sheikh Muwafiq al-Din ibn Qudama, the author of the Mughni, records that he uh, had not seen a man more revered for his piety and religious learning than uh, Shah Abdul Qadir. The king, uh, his chief and ministers attended his sermons along with the rank and file and used to sit in a corner without any fanfare. Scholars and fuqaha rubbed uh, shoulders with uh, the students. The enthusiastic devotion of the people in coming to his lectures uh, can be well imagined by the fact that often as many as 400 ink pots were counted uh, to uh, record every word of the, the sermon uh, and they were brought in to take notes and, uh, and preserve uh, what was said. Moral Excellence Notwithstanding the implicit reverence cherished for Abdul Qadir by the people, he was always modest, humble, and unpretentious. He often left uh, work to attend to the needs of a child or a destitute person or a slave girl. He never uh, evaded the company of the poor even as he washed their clothes or performed similar other personal services for them. Yet he never stood up in the honor of uh, any person of the rank uh, uh, and file of the elite. Uh, if, uh, or sorry, he never stood up in the honor of any person of rank or of the elite. If the uh, Khalifa ever paid a visit to him, the chroniclers of his time report that he deliberately went inside the house so he might not have to stand up uh, to welcome the king. He used to come out of the house after the Khalifa had seated himself. Abdul Qadir never paid back the courtesy call uh, to any wazir or king. He never paid back a courtesy call to them. They would visit him and uh, he, he, he went to no one uh, uh, from, the, uh, from the elite. Uh, he went to the poor and to the destitute. Those who had seen Abdul Qadir have paid a glowing tribute to his moral excellence and his large-heartedness, modesty and hospitality, generosity and goodness of his heart. One of his contemporaries who has had the opportunity of enjoying the company of uh, Shah Abdul Qadir, uh, Qaddas Allahu Sirrahu wa Rahimahullah, says that he had not seen a man more polite, large-hearted and charitable than Sheikh Abdul Qadir. Uh, despite his erudition and eminence, uh, he respected his elders, met the youngsters with good grace, always saluted first, when he always said salam first, uh, and hailed the poor courteously with deference, but never stood up to welcome grandees or nobles, nor did he ever pay uh, a visit to any minister or governor.
Another contemporary of Shah Abdul Qadir, uh, uh, Hafiz Abu Abdullah Muhammad bin Yusuf al Barzali, uh, sorry, uh, Barzali uh, uh, reports, his prayers were readily answered. Being extremely tender hearted, he would burst into tears uh, if anything sorrowful or touching was men- mentioned to him. Uh, more often, he was to be found immersed in meditation and uh, recollection of Allah. He was soft hearted, courteous, cheerful, generous, and compassionate. Being the offspring of a noble family, he was also highly reputed for his uh, profound knowledge and piety. Meaning, he was raised well, and uh, it, you know he knew he knew about the deen. He he was educated well uh, on top of on top of his spiritual excellences. And being extremely tender-hearted, he would burst into tears. Uh, Allah Taala forgive us. We saw from our mashaykh when at any time Rasulullah Sallallahu was mentioned, they, you know they would cry. They cried so much. And uh, Allah forgive us for being so hard-hearted. They cried so much. Allah forgive us for being hard-hearted. And these are the people of the later times. One can only imagine how the, the ancient mashaykh like Shah Abdul Qadir were. The testimony of Muhyiddin Abu Abdullah Muhammad bin Hamid al-Baghdadi, a jurist scholar of those times, runs as follows. Always uh, disposed to avoid things unseemly and in uh, indecorous, he... Uh, only pressed for the desirable and benefiting. He would boil with indignation if the divine commandments were overstepped. Right? So he wasn't just like a bunny rabbit Sufi. You know, we're like, yeah, you're okay, I'm okay. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he would boil with indignation if the divine commandments were overstepped, but remained listless to the wrongs and ill treatments to his own person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him. He would never seek uh, revenge, uh, sake, say, say, save for the sake of Allah, nor uh, send back a beggar without giving him something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, save us. This is Bil'ain, uh, this is the characteristic of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whose son the Shaykh was, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, send peace and blessings and mercy on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family. Uh, if he had nothing to give, he would part with the clothes that he had been putting on. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on on him, Allah Ta'ala give him a, a great rank. Shah Abdul Qadir took pleasure in feeding the poor and spending freely to meet the needs of uh, the destitute. Ibn Najjar uh, reports that Shah Abdul Qadir often used to say, if I were given uh, treasures of the whole world, I would spend it all on feeding the poor. Which is also one of the noble uh, akhlaq of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who said if I was given the mountain of Uhud and gold, I wouldn't leave any of it without uh, distributing it all. Sometimes he said, it seems that I have a hole in my hands. I cannot keep anything with me. If I had a thousand dinars, a thousand gold coins, I would spend every single shell before daybreak. Um, this is this is interesting. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa himself was like this, that uh, uh, if, he, uh, uh, if he had, if he'd been given money or if he had more money than his needs for the day, uh, he would distribute it all. Uh, this is something I heard from Sheikh Samir, uh, uh, mashallah, who was... A very learned person, Sheikh Samar Nas, he mentioned this that the Rasul وسلم, in our class of the Alfiya uh, in the Sira of, of Iraqi, Hafiz Zainuddin Iraqi, that Rasulullah وسلم, uh, if he had more than what he needed, he would go out in the streets and he would just distribute it. And uh, if he couldn't find anyone, then he wouldn't go to his home, he would spend the night in the masjid. And he would distribute uh, whatever was in excess of the needs of the day um, in that, that very day. He had given instructions to his servants that as many guests as possible should be invited for dinner. 
During dinner, he always sat with the poor and lowly, chatted with his students, or inquired about the welfare of those uh, who did not happen to be present there. But what can I say, mashallah, from our asatiza, we saw people like this. We saw the mashayikh who were like this. Those people who, if it was like a general bayan, um, you know, thousands of people will come to listen. In America, we don't have those like thousands of 10,000 people bayans over here. But in the Muslim world, I've seen those those people that, that uh, you know, literally you have hordes, uh, hordes and hordes uh, of people who have taken bay'ah, taken uh, 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 the tariqh from them. But inside the madrasa, they would sit with the with the students and they would give from their time and give from themselves uh, to the students. They weren't like these kind of elite, uh, uh, you know, separate class of people that sat only with the rich or sat only with uh, themselves and like put on a show in public and then like let their guard down when they were alone. Allah forgive all of us. Allah forgive all of us. Allah give us give us stuff it's overwhelming some of these things you read them and you've seen people who have some glimmer of it inside of them and if you've ever tried to be this way yourself uh you know it's one of those kids don't try this at home you're just gonna you're just gonna completely fall apart it's a gift from the lord and uh these people have uh, the gift and on top of it they used to exert their mujahada uh, all we can say is may Allah have mercy upon such people and raise them amongst us and give us the um, give us the tawfiq of honoring them if we see them uh, and uh, you know that's the thing with blessings is that uh, you either are thankful for it uh, you appreciate it through your thanks for it while you got it uh, or you learn to appreciate it by losing it Allah Ta'ala be our protection his behavior was so affectionate that everyone who met him gained the impression that Abdul Qadir rahimahullah ta'ala had the highest regard for him. Again, one of the noble qualities of the Prophet He overlooked the faults of others and if he stated something on an oath, uh, he readily accepted his statement. He never gave out the secrets of others nor stated anything before others that might put them to shame. Reassurance to the dejected. The analysts of his time agree that quite a large number of miracles uh, were worked by Shah Abdul Qadir. There are many people who uh, uh, who bore witness to uh, bore witness to uh, Shah Abdul Qadir's uh, karamat, his miracles. Shaykhul Islam Izzuddin ibn Abdus Salam and Ibn Taymiyyah are of the view that Abdul Qadir uh, uh, was a worker of uh, incessant miracles, but his miracle of miracles was filling the heart of the despaired and brokenhearted with faith, hope, and enthusiasm. Uh, Allahu Akbar. He infused a breath of new life, zeal, and self-confidence into countless persons through his powers of speech and the spiritual power of his heart. He was in truth a blessing for the world of Islam, for he renovated and revived the true content of the faith and tapped the sources of moral and spiritual strength for a religious renaissance. Sheikh Amr al-Kaysani reports that there was hardly a sermon delivered by Shah Abdul Qadir uh, after which a number of uh, 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 the Yahud and Nasara didn't embrace Islam in which uh, marauders and robbers did not repent for their sins and heretics and apostates did not renounce their mistaken beliefs. Al-Jubba'i relates that Shah Abdul Qadir once told him that he uh, 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 wished to lead uh, the life of a recluse in the wilderness, but God had willed that people should derive benefit from him. Uh, and it was a blessing granted unto him that more than five hundred, or sorry, that more than five thousand 
Ahlul Kitab, Yehud and Nasara had embraced 5,000 uh, Yehud and Nasara had embraced Islam at his hands and about 100,000 uh, sinners and criminals had repented uh, for uh, their misdeeds also at his hands. So Mubarak night, inshallah, we should uh, spend some time in, uh, in in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in uh, in prayer and ibadah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, this is one more thing to make dua for, inshallah, uh, in this night and in these nights, especially if you catch Laylatul, Laylatul Qadr. Say, Ya Allah, give us uh, the tawfiq that you raise people like this uh, in every land of Islam. And uh, you give us the tawfiq, you know, not to be uh, arrogant and uh, insolent when we meet such people but that uh, when we see them that you give us the tawfiq of recognizing them and when we recognize them you give us the tawfiq of taking them by the hands and taking them by the feet and taking them by the uh, by the uh, cuff of their uh, of their of their uh, lower garment and never letting go allah ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq wa sallallahu wa ta'ala wa sallam ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in